Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Thank you, George. I want to give honor to, uh, obviously, all of you. What a joy, because this journey, in some way, we've all had together. I met George back when Reinhard Bonnke was doing the, the Crusades, and we met uh, as pastors and he was lead pastor at OHOP, and I was an associate pastor at a church in Longwood. And so what amazing story of our lives and the journey together. So um, let me just tell you, pastoring is no easy feat. It is no easy work, particularly when you're starting one from the ground up like this. You need immense faith. One thing is inheriting a church. Another thing is believing for the small things like children workers and believing for making sure that you can have rent every month and all those big things, small things that you need big faith for, right? Well, here we are um, in, a, in a place that is so beautiful. Yesterday when I came in, it smelled, had that smell of wood, that pine, and I was... It, yeah, you can't take it for granted. Yeah, you, you, you get in here and you realize this, this, is, this is beautiful. Um, Christina and John, I want to honor you guys and the worship that uh, we had today and your young people. I was, they're over to my, I guess to my right and just so beautiful to see them so exuberant and excited about worship. So can't take that for granted either. Yeah. And I have my wife and my two daughters. I'm not going to ask you to stand. <laughs> Annie, Stephanie, and Gabby. But this is a big deal for me because I don't always get to travel with them uh, anywhere I go. So this is a big deal for me to have them and to have their support. Um, so we're going to just kind of run, run rock and roll. Um, I did ask that we didn't do any recording um, because there's some... Um, impressions that I have, and when I have them, I, I'm very careful because I, I'm always considering the dignity and respect of the person that I'm praying for or feeling impressed to pray for, and I don't want that exposure publicly unless they want it, um, and so we, we're trying to do that. Um, how do you start a service like this, right? It's pretty exciting that God is a God who heals, who delivers, who sets free. And um, I, I want to encourage you as you're here today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a word. And, and some of you may not get the benefit of being called out, but that does not mean that you are somehow left out. Um, please be open to receiving what, what's being set for you. That's the amazing thing that that only God could create a service like this where, where one message is an arrow into the heart of his people. Um, if you would go with me to Hebrews 11.22. Bones that prophesy is the name of my sermon. Bones that prophesy. Okay, I got to set my alarm. Okay. No, I know, but I'm just, uh, I can get excited. Bones that prophesy. 
So, so many of you that I've had the pleasure of serving have, as a counselor, have come out today to be with me. And I want to thank you. And I wish I had the time to acknowledge you all. But thank you for being here and for praying for me and supporting. And I, I was a mess during worship because some of you, I've had the pleasure of being around and watching you grow and sprout. And, and uh, Ben, do you remember when we were, Ben was part of, uh, when I was pastoring at a church in Longwood, uh, when I, back in 2012, and he would show up in the morning with John and I for early morning prayer. And um, when I saw him, I, my heart just, you know, just exploded, you know, the, the history there. And so good to see you and your wife. And I bless you both. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm a mess that way. Uh, full with joy. My wife, my daughters are here. Those that I, I've had the opportunity to see grow and heal here. And those that are in, on their way here as well. And my heart is so filled with joy. Um, Hebrews 11.22, by faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his, his bones. And I want you to know, in the book of Hebrews, we have the story of the patriarchs. But of all the patriarchs, Joseph, the mention here is of his bones. A little weird, isn't it? What's up with that? Of all the things that could have been spoken about Joseph's life, the writer of Hebrews starts to discuss his bones. And you got to remember that um, during the time of the writings of the New Testament, the way that the apostles wrote the New Testament was by reflecting upon the typologies of Christ in the Old Testament. And so give you, I'll give you an example of Typology. When we look at the story of Joseph, Moses, and David, the New Testament writers looked at Joseph and revealed the moral glories of Christ. In the, Mos in the life of Moses, we see the ministerial glories of Christ. And in the life of David, we see the messianic glories. And so as the New Testament writers are filling in the letters that would become the New Testament for us, we have this, the book of Hebrews reflecting kind of on Joseph and his bones. And so there's got to be something special about these bones. But of the, of the three glorious mysteries, um, there's one that stands out. And that's, for, exa for example, Joseph. Joseph's birth. Joseph had a special relationship with his father. Jacob gave Joseph a coat of many colors. And it was his father's pleasure over his life. We see in Jesus and lower voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew 3.17. Can you see it? Joseph's brothers, they rejected him, they hated him, and they were mad. And one day that, that they would bow their knee to him. John 1.11 says that Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. So when you're looking at the life of Joseph, we're looking at a, a, a mirror, almost like a shadow of what was to come. When we examine Joseph's character, career, his conduct, we can't find any fault in him. Luke 
23.4 says, Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in him. Joseph's betrayal, the story of Joseph and Jesus match side by side. Joseph was sold for the price of a slave. He was handed over to the Gentiles. He was made to suffer for sins, not his own. He was rejected of men and put in the place of death. He was forgotten. Hmm. Some of you feel that way? However, the prison could not hold him. In the end, Joseph had the keys to the prison. In the fullness of time, Joseph was brought forth and raised to be vice president of Egypt. And he was given a name above all names. Fascinating that Joseph was given a Gentile bride, as would the Lord Jesus. All the Gentiles in the house say amen. amen. And all the Jews in the house say amen. Amen. We've been grafted in. Joseph's benevolence, during the time that all the executive powers of the throne were committed into his hand, he brought the children of Israel to the place of contrition and confession. Then he revealed to them, settled them in the best of the land, and chose from among them those he could use in the administration of the empire. And so if one of these, if, if we're looking side by side, what is it that the author in Hebrews is trying to give us when he's talking about Joseph's life? He could have mentioned his birth. He could have mentioned his brothers. He could have mentioned uh, Joseph, Joseph saving Egypt. But he talks about his bones. I don't know if I would do that. Of all the attributes I would say of Joseph, I would pick on all these big pieces in his life. And you got to remember this, that Joseph's bones um, were carried through the wilderness into the promised land. A coffin and his bones. And you got to remember, carrying a heavy coffin along the journey through the hot wilderness is burdensome and kind of creepy. Imagine that. But, what, but such was the hope and the insistence on Joseph's life. It was his dying wish. Why did he make that plea? So I want to examine with us the bones of, of Joseph. Over Joseph's life, there was a, a word that was burning in him about not wanting to die in Egypt, not wanting his bones to rot in the place of corruption. He had a hope inside him, and he knew that God would bring him out. Say with me, God will bring me out. Genesis 50, 25. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. And you shall carry my bones from hence. The English word visit, taken from a rich Hebrew word that often connotes God coming in history, either bring judgment or blessing to his people. In this case, Joseph and the sons of Israel, God would visit them with his covenant blessing and would bring them out of the land into Canaan. 
Joseph believed that God was not only his maker and the maker of covenant. Hallelujah. God's covenant blessings. And that's an example of what's over your life, people. What God has spoken is yes and amen. I know some of you are having a hard time with that. But he's a covenantal God. If, if covenant depended on your effort, we're in trouble. But if covenant depends on God's effort, then we have hope. And we see that in the life of Joseph. God brought him out, but God also brought him through. Say, God will bring me through. Exodus 13, 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and he and ye shall carry up my bones away from here. Say with me, God will bring me in. Joshua 24, 32. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried them in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hammer and the fathers of Shechem for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. God will bring us out. God will bring you out. Joseph's bones are evidence of prophecy that were complete in God's redemption for the descendants of Israel and the prophecies that are still over your life today. What are you carrying? Moses and the children of Israel carried Joseph's bones like a word over their head into the promised land. What's over your life? And I think that sometimes what we carry over our lives are all the bad things that have happened to us. And you can't carry that into the land of promise. What are you carrying? Now watch this. When Joseph died, he, he left an inheritance. To Judah, he says, I bequeath the lordship of the land of Goshen on the Nile. To his beloved Benjamin, the contents of my vault. To my son Ephraim, my robes, my mansion on the Nile, and a letter recommending him for high office. To my son Manasseh, my stables, my horses, my golden chariot, my holdings in the valley of the kings. But watch this. To his kinsmen, he left something more valuable. He said, take my bones. Now put yourself in Joseph's kinsmen's kinsmen, his family's shoes. Everyone's getting a little something. And when you're waiting for your inheritance, he says, to you I bequeath my bones. That's how some of y'all feel, right? <laughs> you're looking at how God's blessed somebody else. You've looked at all that God's done for somebody else and you're waiting on God. You're saying, when is it my turn? Look at your bones. What kind of hope could bones contain? We got to look at life of Joseph's suffering. Joseph possessed a living faith. There's a difference. 
You can have faith in God, but living faith is something that possesses you. It's not just something that you have, but it's something that has you. And how do we know it? Well, he withstood the rejection of his brothers. Isn't that the sting that's the worst? The rejection of your own family? The loss of, of faith in you? Left to be thrown in a pit? Separation of his beloved father and his younger brother Benjamin? A living Faith that kept him from Potiphar's wife. Supposedly she was hot. <laughs> that living faith sustained him when in that moment he fled. Lust. Fled. I don't care how holy Joseph was. He was holy, but he fled. You too must flee. Egypt was inundated by sin seductiveness and sensuality but it was joseph say with me living faith that possessed him because none of the none of the splendor of egypt none of its religion temptations treasures its teaching could entice joseph and we are living in such a time right now that the things of this world is enticing more now than, I think, like never before, sin is so readily available to us. And we can learn something here from Joseph. There's a prophecy given to Abraham in Genesis 15, 13 through 16, that possessed Joseph's heart. Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they'll be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they will, come, they will return there, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. I'm not going to break that down. What I want you to hear, what was in Joseph's ear, what was in Joseph's heart that enabled him to possess a living faith and a living faith possess him? What is in your ear? What are you tending to? What captivates your attention? What is floating over your head? Help me, Jesus. Joseph, Joseph lived in a land flowing with milk and honey before he possessed it. Joseph had this way of receiving what was spoken over Abraham as a possession that he was living while he was in Egypt. How else could he have gone through what he had gone through? That's what a living faith allows you to do. It allows you to live a prophecy before it emerges. It allows you to hold on to a hope that, that hopes for you when you can't. When you can't pay your rent and you can't pay your bills and you're, you've been laid off from work, that hope carries you. But what's in your ear? 
Joseph was a citizen of Canaan before his body ever reached there. Where do you live? What's your citizenship? What citizenship calls you home? Those who have faith in Christ are citizens of Eden. We have our citizenship in the promised land. Not of this world. But we don't have to wait to get to heaven to possess it. The idea is to get heaven into us while we are here on earth. That we are living a promise of hope now. But if you were Joseph, imagine. If you were thinking, well, if God, God's promise of my life is manifesting in Egypt, I don't want to die and, and my, my bones rest here. It was a legitimate fear. If you look at how he was reiterating, please don't leave me here. I know that I'm vice president. I know that God's anointed me for this work and called me to do it. Don't leave me here. Does that, does that sound like something going on in your life? Lord, whatever you're doing, don't leave me here. Don't forget about me. Though you've given me favor and though I have walked through some stuff, don't leave me here. Take me to where you've promised me. But there was a hope in Joseph that his bones would not miss the glory of the land where the star is to rise out of Jacob, a Messiah. In him was the promise that his bones would be where the Messiah would walk. Could you imagine that? What's your hope? What are you carrying? Essentially, bones that were carried through the wilderness were a living prophecy that said to Israel, it was as though Joseph's bones had a voice and the bones said, Keep my body among you as a reminder that you too will come out of Egypt and into the land. Can you see that? Can you see the heaviness of the bones through the wilderness? I think it's like 3,500 miles. 3,500 miles carrying a tombstone of an embalmed body. Of Joseph. All of the patriarchs coveted burial in Canaan because they wanted to be in the promised land when the promised land arrived. Where do you want to be? Hebrews 11.13 says, All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them, having what? Having what? What are you watching? What's in front of you? What you behold, you become. (laughs) 
having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, but as it is the desire for a better country, a heavenly one. Say with me, God will bring me through. God will bring me out. God will bring me through. And God will bring me in. Joseph's bone prophesied of Canaan's rest. Now imagine if you're traveling with this coffin. A decorated one from Egypt, mind you. Can you see it in the, in the heat of the sun? It was, a, it was communicating to them that there was a rest that was soon to come. Joseph prophesied to the children of Israel that God would visit them in Genesis 50. But how did he do it? He did so through the blood of the Passover lamb. That blood of Jesus still has power for your life today. Joseph died in 1585 B.C. The Israelites left Egypt 139 years later in 1446 B.C. Joseph's bones were finally buried after they entered Canaan under the leadership of Joshua. 1406 B.C. I'll do the math for you. I'm terrible at math, so I had to, I had to calculate. 179 years. Some of us have received a promise from God, and we, we have, we have the, the tolerance of a microwave faith. We hope that uh, we get through the drive-through, and it can be delivered for you hot and fresh. Right? What is it? White Castle? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Ooh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Be patient, people of God. Be patient with what has been spoken over your life. Certainly, you're not called to wait 179 years, but I think the example of Joseph was hidden in his bones. Where's yours found? Is it still somewhere in the background collecting I can't even get the word out. Collecting dust. I was going to say like spider webs. That's the word. I was going to say webs. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Cobwebs. There we go. Time to pull it out. Time to put it above your head. Time to believe that all that God has promised, he's faithful to deliver. Israel pined away in Egypt. Shackled to a life that they would desire to be happily to happily forget. Toiling at the beck and call of harsh taskmasters. It was life under the sun and yet it was, the, it was best understood as the darkest of days. The life of slavery experienced by Israel and Egypt is the unambiguous backdrop of slavery to sin that we find in the vocabulary of the New Testament. 
The hope of God's people is not long, longer life in the land of the dying, but eternal life in the land of the living. Canaan represented redemption, freedom, and life. When Israel came out of Egypt, it was through the mighty hand of God reaching down into history to visit them. But where? In the promised land? He visited them in Egypt. Where are you? You are not far from God's hand to reach wherever you are in Egypt. The goal of God is to bring you out of slavery into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Canaan was the earthly antithesis of Egypt. It was the most hoped destination of the people of Israel. Though time might dim the memory and the hope of Israel, the promise did not dim in the mind of God. As surely as he has pledged, he will fulfill what God has spoken. He will fulfill. Joseph's hope was in the sure and steadfast promise of God. God had already proven himself faithful to Joseph. The dreams that God gave him in his early days were prophetic, and they spoke of things to come. But through the providence of God, God's will, God's hand, God's determination brought his promises to fruition. Imagine being Joseph locked up in a prison for something he didn't do. Are you paying for something you didn't do? Are you being talked about for something you didn't do? Oh, I think I got your attention. His stay in the Egyptian prison would turn out to be a dramatic preview of Israel's future. I said this yesterday in our leadership class that Joseph's life, well, I didn't say Joseph's life, but the prophetic life is the message. Your life is the message. Joseph was living the message that Israel would soon experience. It was like getting a preview by watching Joseph that the land and the people of Israel would then experience what he suffered. As Joseph was forgotten and imprisoned, Israel would be enslaved in Egypt when there arose a new pharaoh who did not know Joseph. Could you imagine that? Do you feel that way? Do you feel forgotten? Do you feel left out? You hear all these wonderful promises. You hear these prophecies given to people. You say, what about me? Joseph's request about his bones would send a catechizing echo of the past. Not only as a reminder of what God has already done in Joseph's own life but as a harbinger of what God would do for the corporate people of God. Bring them out of sin and bondage into the blessing of covenant life. 
Imagine with me that the day had come, finally, that the promise over the children of Israel to exit out of Egypt, begging, God, take me out, deliver me. The people crying out from being whooped and, and uh, worked all day, very little food to eat. The journey begins from Egypt to Canaan, a total of 5,270 miles. If they were walking six hours a day, they'd arrive there in three weeks. If they were walking two miles a day, they'd arrive there in nine months. But they were there for 40 years. Was it because God wasn't ready? Or was there something in them that God had to use the wilderness to get out? Oh, Jesus. I think I'm preaching good right now. Some of you are circling the wilderness, asking God, take me out. But you're not looking in to help you see what's keeping you there. It's up to you, three weeks or 40 years. What happens when you do carry a prophecy spoken over your life faithfully, believing with much hope? The question becomes, what do you face ahead of you? You have to deal with Pharaoh. The Israelites found themselves trapped by Pharaoh's chariots behind them, and the deep waters of the Red Sea rolled before them. And in that moment, I call it temporary amnesia. Think about it. The Egyptians are coming behind to kill you, and the Red Sea in front of you, and you have the bones of Joseph. And the people are like, oh, you brought us out to kill us. You're murdering me, God. They'd forgotten all that God had done to bring them out. For those of you with temporary amnesia, let me remind you of where you are this morning. In the house of God. Listening to the word of God. Being reminded of your hope. Being reminded of your dreams. God is not done with you. That which he has spoken over you, he will complete. But this is what happens when you feel trapped, stuck. You get temporary amnesia. And fear starts renting space in your head. And it doesn't pay rent. We need an eviction this morning in Jesus' name. The people of God forgot the misery of Egypt. They forgot the slavery. They failed to remind themselves of the miracles. But Moses did not forget. The prophecy hidden in the bones of Joseph were screaming at Moses, God will bring you out. God will bring you through. God will bring you in. I'll say that again. I think I sounded pretty good. 
What did Moses have trapped between Pharaoh and the Red Sea? He had the bones of Joseph, Joseph that said, God will bring you out. God will bring you through. And God will bring you in. What are you carrying over your head? With every crisis at the Red Sea, at Merah, at Rephidim, at the wilderness, at, at Mount Sinai, at Kadesh Barnea, on the plain of Moab, Moses stood firm. He had the bones of Joseph with him. Why wouldn't he? I think that deserves an amen for yourself. What are you carrying, people? To remind you of God's faithfulness. You too have a journey, a deeper journey, a journey from Egypt to Canaan. Where are you on the journey? Are you still in Egypt? Are you in the wilderness? Have you crossed over? Wherever you are, this message applies. You need a word over your life. To carry you through. And I want you to pay so close attention to this. Just as Joseph's bones spoke to Moses, the memorial body of our Lord Jesus Christ set before us in communion declares, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he come. The memorial body points us back to Jesus to see us through. Oh, I'm telling you, that's good right there. We have the blessing of God's communion body blood with us and we carry that as a as a word over our life to remind us like it did for Moses that you will make it through say with me God will bring me in Joseph's bones spoke about a coming resurrection and Joseph's bones which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver for the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. The bones were finally buried, but the prophecy still had something to say. They spoke of a rest that is better than Canaan's rest. They spoke of Calvary's rest. Imagine with me what was happening when Joshua and his men were putting Joseph's bones into the earth. Joseph's foot bone was talking to his ankle bones. The ankle bones were talking to the shin bones. The shin bone to the thigh bone. The thigh bone is talking to the backbone. Hopefully this will speak to your backbone. The backbone is talking to the neck bone. God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones from this place. What are you carrying? Can you see the imagery that the early apostles had as they were writing about Christ within? 
Christ, wearing Christ as a garment. The imagery is so rich in the Old Testament for language of what are we carrying of the body of Christ that speaks to us when we're facing the wilderness. The greater prophetic message of Joseph's bones was that he died in the hope of the resurrection. Can you imagine with me the bright morning in Jerusalem when Jesus rose from the dead? The bars of death that Joseph arose with the Lord and his hope was finally fulfilled. Matthew 27, 50 says, And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised up. They came out of the tombs. Joseph came out of the tomb and resurrected with Jesus into the holy city and appeared to many people. Wow. Right on time, my alarm went off. That's pretty good. Would you stand with me? Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.